Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends with Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. And our guest today is another WAG of SCI, and she's going to be able to share a little bit about herself. She's been a follower since the very, very beginning, and both her and her husband do amazing work in the community. So we'll get to, we'll get to uh, get to know her a little bit later. Thanks for joining us, everyone, today. We're so happy that you could be here. I know when we interview fellow WAGs of SCI, it is they're they're hot episodes everybody loves it because everybody likes real talk right real experiences and this is something that just was not available when elena and i were going through the very beginning stages of this injury so we're hoping that that this is another great resource for all of the whites of sci out there so before we get started we just wanted to introduce our episode sponsors of course it's robin wishart of wishart brain and spine law robin is the wags of sci official advocate She has worked with us for the past over three years now on our own personal cases, and she knows the ins and outs of spinal cord injury like the back of her hand. She also knows the caregiver life, and she advocates, she writes letters, she knows so many people in the community, and she's available all over North America. Robin can be reached at her website at brainandspinelaw.com, and you can also visit wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab to learn more about what Robin does for the community and how you can reach out to her. Our second sponsor is Rolling in Paradise. Annalisa and John are owners of this adapted equipment company. They are located in Florida, but they can ship all over North America. They are a quad and quad wife. So we love to support WAG owned businesses. Annalisa is extremely passionate about helping those who need adapted equipment because they always say, we are you and they are. So they really understand what is needed. So if you need anything from accessories to sport mobility to Hoyer lifts, you can go to their website, rollinginparadise.com and just tell them that the Wags of SCI sent you. So welcome our guest today. Her name is drum roll big drum roll it's Cassidy and she is here with us to share a little bit about the work that she is going to be doing and has been doing in our community but also her story and how we met and why it is so important that she's on today so welcome to the podcast Cassidy thank you so much for having me I know I feel like I've known you girls forever but it's nice to actually see your faces and talk to you finally Yes. So can you please tell us, tell us about your journey of, of being a way of SCI? How did, how and why did we meet and who is your partner? Tell us all about your life. Yeah. So um, Josh was injured in 2017. Um, we're actually coming up on six years this Saturday. Um, so as you know, when the date comes around, it's definitely a time for reflection. So what better time to be here chatting with you ladies? Um, he was injured from a negligent gunshot wound. Um, he was in the, the army out in Washington state and we were in a long distance relationship for two years. He was two months away from finishing his contract and coming back home to New Hampshire. Um, and, you know, we were starting to plan what our life would look like outside of long distance. Um, and that's when I got the call that he was in critical condition. Um, we took the next flight out there, me and his family and my sister came with me. Um, and we were out there for about a month and a half and then transferred to um, Boston once he was stable enough. He's a C4 quadriplegic. His name is Josh. Um And yeah, I learned how to do his caregiving while in the hospital in Boston. We lived there in the hospital for 
about a year, a year and two months was really nice. They had a two person room and they let me stay in there so that I could learn his care while I was staying there. Um, so that way when we got home, it wasn't like, here you go. Good luck. You know, this is how it's done. Um, so that was really a blessing in disguise. Um, and then we moved home and here we are six years later. First of all, that's amazing that you were able to have that opportunity to be able to stay side by side with your partner. Yeah. I think that's huge. And um, a lot of the time, what Brooke and I talk about um, are sort of the personalities of the women who who do stay, but not even just stay. They stay to learn all the care so they're set up properly for when they go home and they're able to adequately support their partner's needs. So that is amazing, especially for C4 level, um, yeah. higher level quad. Did you know right away that you wanted to learn his care and you wanted to have like a more hands-on role in that? I didn't. That was a really big decision. I think at first, um, obviously, you're just taking it kind of second by second, day by day. When they're in critical condition, you're not even really thinking about, okay, what's next? You're just like, can he make it through the night? Will he come off the vent? Um, and and then we had um, my sister's wedding coming up, and I really wanted him to go to the wedding. Um, and this would have been, he was injured in February. This would have been the September after that. Um, and the only way that he could come to the wedding was if somebody who was there knew his care. Um, so I, I was the option to learn the care. So that's kind of what kickstarted the conversation. Um you know, like, will you learn this care? Will you learn all of this care? Is Josh okay with that? You know, he met with his therapist. We both talked to his therapist. That was provided by um, the Veterans Administration. She's phenomenal. Um, and it was just a lot of conversation about balance, um, caregiving, and being his girlfriend at the time. And, um, you know, if I was comfortable with that. And I went to school in human services and I had just gotten my degree to take care of the elderly. And that was more like activity-based. It wasn't so much care-based, but you know, you still have to have that level of patience and, and caring. Um, and, and so it was kind of easy for me to step into that role just because I feel like I kind of had the heart to do it. Um, and I just wanted Josh to be as healthy as possible. And I knew that nobody would take better care of him than me. Um, or that's what I personally believe because my heart's actually in it. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was definitely a lot of tough conversations, but we don't regret it at all. It's been very helpful for me to know all of the care. And what's your schedule like right now? Like, do you have any assistance that's provided by the VA or what? So we have the option um, for respite care. I'm, I get um, like a payment as a family caregiver through the Veterans Administration, um, which has been a huge blessing. And, you know, I don't take that for granted. I know that not everybody has that access. Um, and we're very, very fortunate to have that. Um, but... I don't have any help. His his brother and his mom know how to do the straight cathing. Um, and, you know, if he can walk anybody through his care or roll anybody through his care, I guess I should say. Um, so I know that if there was an emergency, he could talk somebody else through it. Um, but there is no nobody else. It's just me. But we've gotten the, the routine down in the past six years where he's he's gained a lot of independence. Um, so really, you know, we just do the morning care when we wake up, um, the bowel routine, the shower, all that, turning overnight, um, and then straight cathing every four hours. Um, so I, I leave the house, go on my little shopping sprees or um, whatever I need to do in that little time frame in between, and he's he's fine on his own and can get in touch with me if he needs it. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just me. And one of the best things that Josh does to highlight all <laughs> little snippets of your guys' caregiving life and your life together are through his memes. The, yes. The famous memes. Tell us about that. What is your favorite meme? Oh, my gosh. I love the caregiving ones just because they're so relatable, as I know you girls do, too. Um, yeah, he he started it. Um, he During COVID, he got an iPad and he started doing like some graphic design artwork on there just to pass the time. It just helps distract from his pain. And then he just did one meme and then it turned into an entire page full of hilarious memes filled with his dark humor, um, that he's used to cope through the injury. Um, and I know so many other people 
are able to relate to it. And it just brings a sort of lightness to something that seems so heavy all the time. Um, and it creates conversations without like sitting down and asking these like crazy questions. Like, do you deal with this? Do you deal with this? People see it and they're like, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. I deal with that all the time. Um, and it, it just brings kind of like an airiness to these taboo subjects, I guess sometimes. Um, but I was saying, I know there was, it, it helps just so many people, I think. And for an example, um, there was a brother and sister and the brother was injured, um, newly injured. And um, the sister had reached out to Josh to share this story with him that these, these memes, you know, the brother was really struggling and she would take the memes and tape them around the house in different places or show him a different one every day. And it gave him the motivation to get up. And it, it was like one of the first things that really brought a smile to his face because he knew that like other people got it. Um, and, and I just think it's so funny, you know, something that started as like a little joke can have such a big impact, something as silly or simple as a meme. Um, but I love that they're so relatable to people. Now, for anybody who doesn't know um, what we're talking about, the, the account on Instagram is Life Keeps Rolling with Josh Keller, veteran quadriplegic C4 level, uh, disabled artist. I love that he says artist because, I mean, he's just made so many things. I remember one of my favorite memes was, um, what was it? It was like the, the hero meme. When I show my wife, when I show Cassidy the small thing that I did today and he's wearing like this cape and, and it's it's funny because it's true because the, yeah. these small milestones are big deals like in our lives. Right. For, yeah, that's so true. And they're worth celebrating. It's like they're, they're small independence things that they're doing, but it's like bring out the champagne. This is a big deal. Yeah. And I, that's the way life is every single day, just taking the small stuff and making it, it's the big stuff in the end. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think one of my favorites was um, he made it about a parking spot where like some big strong guy was getting ready to fight because somebody stole the handicapped parking spot. And like he was, Josh was in the background in his wheelchair trying to hold me, him back. And he was saying that, you know, I was, I had to be held back because I'm always like getting really angry at these people that um, abuse like handicapped parking spaces and stuff like that. So that is the case a lot of time. He has to hold me back and kind of bring me back down to earth. Um, I'm very passionate about spreading accessibility awareness. <laughs> Don't we know it? We tend to get really feisty as wigs of SCI. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I mean, not to dwell on this too long because, you know, this podcast is about you, but um, well, I'm glad he, I'm, you know, on what Elena was saying about how he says he's an artist. I, I just think everybody out there needs to understand how hard it is because my husband's a C4 as well how hard it is to draw, let alone use a computer or an iPad when you're a C4 yeah. level injury. So that in itself is so inspiring because when you look at some of his like cartoon strips that he does, like mm -hmm. uh, it's like very unbelievable. He's very talented. So everyone out there, make sure you follow uh, Life Keeps Rolling on Instagram and support um, Cassidy's husband, Josh. <laughs> um, so Elena, are you, do you want to draw a card to, to get us started here? Okay, so um, as per usual, we will be drawing from the Sage Natural Wellness Cool to Connect deck, home of your most valuable connections. And today's card for the three of us to answer is going to be very random, and I hope it's not too emotional. Let me see. Ah, here's a great one. So today's card is what makes life worth living and because Cassidy you are our guest today why don't you go ahead and let us know what makes life worth living uh, I would just say life simple moments make life worth living um, I appreciated the simple moments before Josh's injury and even more so now whether it's a hug or a kiss or a giggle or sitting down and watching your favorite tv show I just live for those little things and I think that's like really all that matters. Like I know after this injury, um, it, it's really hard to adjust at first and you're trying to keep up with your old life in a way. And you're watching things fall away from your old life, like friends and even relatives and just things you used to do together. And you realize that at the end of the day, there really is only the small things that you have to kind of embrace and appreciate. And I feel like 
and I don't know if you feel this way too, Cassidy, but like, do you find that you have more appreciation for the depths of your relationship and the little things like post-injury than you did before? Like how is yeah, that changed? Absolutely. I think, I think it's kind of similar in some ways since we did long distance, we have always appreciated those simple moments together because we saw each other maybe once every two to three months and it was maybe a week tops that we would see each other. So in that time, we just loved cuddling and watching movies together, just those simple things in normal relationships. So I think, you know, the the simple has changed a little bit um, in respects to like, you know, I, I miss the standing hugs sometimes, but um, I'll take my, you know, bent over hurting my back hugs too. Um, so I think it's pivoted a little bit, but I, I do think uh, a strength in our relationship and thank God that it's a strength is appreciating the simple moments. And what did you, when, let's go back to the kind of the beginning, because um, I would say it's like 50-50, the women that listen to this podcast, um, a lot of them were with their partners before their injury, and they're really kind of struggling to get to a place of acceptance, as far as just like really accepting the life. A lot of these women are within the first year to two years of the injury. Do you have any, like looking back to like how you were back then? Do you have any advice for women such as yourself that are going through the initial stages of this injury and kind of wondering how to come to more of an acceptance? Yeah, I think that obviously the first year or two is definitely the hardest. Um, I think that I was so like, go, go, go focused on keeping Josh healthy and learning and educating myself that it didn't allow me so much extra time to sit with my feelings. Um, So I think that that helped just, you know, educating myself on ways, um, whether, and even like researching ways to take the old things and make them doable again. Um, You know, like we can still go on a vacation. There's just a little bit more research that has to go into it and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, acceptance can still be hard. I, I know coming up on this six year mark, stirs up all those fresh emotions and big events like the wedding stir up all those fresh emotions. And, and some days are really hard as you girls know, and you just want to sit there and just like scream, like, you know, like that acceptance is, is hard some days. It's not, I don't think it's this thing that just like clicks and it's like, okay, this is it. Like we're doing it. I think that some days are like that. And then I think some days are like, I don't want to accept this. Like this sucks and it's okay to have those days, you know, like it's okay to acknowledge that. Um, I think overall, like having that, that feeling of positivity and moving forward is super important, but I think it's also important to recognize those days where you just need to acknowledge like, okay, this is tough. Like this is tough and I'm strong and I'm going to get through it, but I just need a minute to say like, this sucks and that's okay. That's really good advice. It is. And it happens to every single person we know, I feel like. Um, especially on the Facebook, the WEGS of SEI Facebook private group. This is a hot topic. It's one that comes up for everybody, right? Yes. So Cassidy, can you tell us a little bit about Journey to Full Bloom? What is Journey to Full Bloom? And can you share some of the last, maybe at the last post that was posted and tell us a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. Um, I can pull it up here. Um, So Journey to Full Bloom, um, I started with my sister. My sister is my absolute best friend. She's two years older than me. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to have the family that I have. I'm the youngest of four, um, but me and my sister are just the best of friends. And, you know, we used to fight growing up, shared a room, but now like we're inseparable. Um, So we bounce ideas off of each other when we're having a hard day. She's the first person I call. I'm the first person she calls. Um, And when COVID hit, we we were like, okay, we have this extra time. Like, you know, we're not socializing people. We're not going out. What do you want to do? And my sister was like, let's just like start a page and share what's helped us with other people and hope that it, it helps them, you know, um, let's normalize these feelings that everybody has that nobody wants to talk about because for some reason it's 2023 and there's still this stigma that like mental health isn't a problem. Um, and you know, let's just like put it all out there. And so we did, and we just started writing posts and sharing quotes, um, and resources, different pages that have helped us, different lessons we've learned. Um, and our clear message is that, 
when it comes to self-growth and self-awareness, there is no finish line. It's very much a constant circle. You know, you can, you know, be in one place and it's okay to go backwards like a year later and then go forward again or go back to the beginning. Like no one is like better than anybody else. Everybody's just at different spots in their journey of self-growth. But I think the number one thing we say is like self-awareness. Like you should be trying to grow. You should be trying to better yourself and acknowledge like, you know, nobody's perfect and you can always be better. You can always spread more kindness. Um, And yeah, so I'll share my recent post. Let me pull it up here. Um, I had a recent run-in on accessibility. And as we mentioned, I get a little feisty. Um, let's see if I can find it. I don't know if you girls have it up. I'm not sure. Yeah, we have it up. Do you want, uh, do you want one of us to read it? Yeah, if you could. Uh, okay. So accessibility awareness, you know what I'm sick of places saying they're accessible places just getting by and acting like they're doing everything they can to help those with mobility challenges when really they could give two shits. Excuse my French. (laughs) Front desk associates who say, well, it's just a couple of steps or the ADA rooms aren't pet friendly. Didn't you know that people who use wheelchairs can't also have dogs? There's no space under the bed for a lift. There's no elevators on the property. There's no roll in shower, but hey, we have a great bench that you can sit on. I call to be proactive because we're realistic. We know it's rare to get away to a place that's entirely accessible, but we'll make it work. We always do, either on our own or with friends and family to help us. I'm sick of the attitude on the other end of the phone when we ask for basic accessibility options. I'm sick of educating slash fighting hotel workers every time we just want to go away for a night. I'm over formal apologies from the managers. It's exhausting. It's 2023. Make the world accessible for everyone. It's not as hard as one would think. Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. That was one of those days where I, we actually went to a a local um, like haunted house and we entered our names to win this trip. And I was like, that's not real. Like we're not really going to win it. And then I got a call that there was a place in Northern New Hampshire up in the White Mountains, which we love it up there. It's like our favorite place to go in that area during the summer. Um, And they were giving us, we want a huge um, like discounted trip. So I called the hotel um, and we were already looking at dates and I could bring the family. So we already started chatting and I was so excited for this like little surprise thing that wasn't planned at all. And I called the hotel and, and that's what I was faced with. You know, the excuses, the, you know, we, we don't have an elevator on the property. What the heck do you mean you don't have an elevator on the property? Like, is there one in the lobby? No, there's not even one in the lobby. The, the pool you can't get to, like nothing, like not even any of the rooms. And, and I was surprised on, on the phone and this girl just kind of talked to me like I was crazy for like assuming they would have some kind of accessibility. And that's what I'm just sick of. Like, I am totally okay educating people. It's how people are going to learn. And again, Elena, as you were saying, like a lot of it's perspective, like unless somebody is in that position, they don't care. They're not going to, you know, it's not, it's not really their problem. So they're going to maybe do the best they can and then move on. Um, But it's just when people aren't accepting of that um, criticism or education experience, that's what frustrates me. You know, don't, don't have an attitude with me because I'm trying to teach you that this isn't okay. Um, So yeah, I just, I had one of those days. I was just sick of it. Yeah. And it always takes a few, it's never just, this is, you know, it's never just one isolated situation that causes, (laughs) that causes us to completely lose our shit, (laughs) but it's, it's always a buildup, right? And how much can you take? Life shouldn't have to be so hard. Isn't life already hard enough being in a wheelchair and, and having to deal with secondary conditions of being in a wheelchair. And I think a lot of the time you will see the individual in the chair and think, Oh, that must be so hard. It's like, you know, what's really hard. It's not being able to go places with, you know, knowing that there's going to be an ease to be able to go and sit down at a restaurant or go enjoy an outing with a family where you're not completely just embarrassed at the lack of accessibility. And, and it makes people, honestly, I think a lot of people just want to stay home. Like if that's, if that's their objective, bravo, you're doing a good job. (laughs) People don't want to go out. Right. Because it's, there's so many obstacles. 
So um, I actually reposted your post on my personal um, socials as well, because I, I felt like our friends and family, people need to start talking or continue talking about this because it has to be a regular conversation. I think a lot of the time our friends and family think, oh, the accident happened X years ago. That was the hardest thing. Now it's over. And can't you just move on? And it's, it's like, well, we could move on if we could go places and not have to wait five hours for an accessible taxi or try to search for an accessible bathroom or like what you're saying, right? Not even be able to like enter venues without a big hassle. So kudos to you. I hope that people read that and they're able to see that this is a daily conversation. Yeah, I hope so too. I think that I've, you know, tried to spread awareness in in my small circle. Like I know my parents, we go on trips with them a lot. We're very close with my parents um, as well as my sister. And now whenever my dad goes to a hotel, hotel without us, he looks under the bed to see if there's space. He'll go to the front desk and ask, you know, what accommodations do you have? And then he'll call me and say, okay, this place is accessible. Add it to your list of options. So I think even like, you know, sometimes a Facebook rant, sometimes it gets the point across and sometimes, you know, people are just like, Oh gosh, here, here she goes again. Um, but I think even like just one conversation with somebody close to you makes a world of a difference. I have a friend who lives in Boston in the city and, and she's so much more aware now because she's gone out with Josh and seen what, what we're, we're faced with. So I think, you know, just small conversations with, with people close to you, like it, it, it'll have a ripple effect. Um, it, it could have a bigger effect than you, than, you know. So true. You know, what's really interesting to me as you talk about this is you guys live in the States. Josh is like an injured veteran. And you guys have so many injured veterans in the States. And when we used to go to the States a lot, we were always um, pleasantly surprised because you guys have rules, like very strict ADA rules, like every hotel and apartment building has to have lifts to get into the pool, that kind of thing. Um, but your stories are very similar to our stories here in Canada and Canada doesn't have as strict laws. It's mostly for new construction. Um, We live in an area where there's a lot of old buildings, especially this place called Gastown where it's very old Vancouver and they don't technically don't have to make it accessible because it's, you know, heritage Mm -hmm. buildings and all that stuff. But you taught, you're talking about this and I'm like, well, there's not that much of a difference. It's the same struggles. And I know it's the same. Yeah, it's it's just it's bizarre to me because you guys do have all of those people who have risked their lives for your country. You've had so much participation in wars, right? Like it's it's shocking to me how how those people just kind of get um, they're the last on the list kind of thing. Still, even still, right? Um, yeah, that's what- true. Um, in, in Boston, where we're in New England, um, you know, parts of New England were founded in the early 1700s, like there are so many historical buildings who, you know, they, they get to slide, you know, through not having to do much, um, to change the accessibility. And then I think the, the America with Disabilities Act, I forget what year it's like, if you were built after a certain year, you have to follow these certain rules. Um, but you know, I, there was like a, when we moved back to our hometown, um, we moved again since then, but I, we got our dog, um, our dog Kona, who we're obsessed with. Um, and we had to take her to her initial veterinarian appointment and Josh wanted to come with me. He wants to be involved. Obviously she was supposed to be his service dog. And we showed up to the building and there was probably a six inch step to get in. And and this is like a public town building, you know, this needs to be accessible. So I walked in and I said, Hey, like, you know, like you got a ramp or something. Is there another entry? Sometimes it's around back, whatever they, I heard them hammering in the back for five minutes. They were hammering together a wooden ramp made of plywood and dragged it out to the front door. And it basically snapped when he went to roll on it. I said, we'll take our dog elsewhere. Thank you. Have a nice day. But I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like out there with the hammer, trying to put together the ramp that you know, is used maybe once a year. I couldn't believe it. And that's what's the problem is people think they're getting by, by this, you know, they're getting by by the skin of their teeth. They have somebody come to do the inspection and they have that wooden ramp out. And it's probably been the same wooden ramp they've had since they founded the place. Like, it's just, people don't care because they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially putting together something that's like very half-assed Mickey Mouse real quick, just so, mm-hmm. and, and then the fact that like, it's so dangerous having it break anyway. So it's like, why do you yeah. even bother? Don't even bother. One of my favorite things is when you go to a restaurant um, and your partner needs to use the accessible bathroom, but the accessible bathroom was used to store extra chairs or table or empty kegs, right? That's a good yeah. one. 
And you're you're like, what is happening here? I guess we can't pee. So there, there is an accessible table for you, but you, you can't pee. So that, that's nice. You should probably go home and and use the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy, Cassidy. Um, and how does Josh feel like, what are, what are the typical reactions on his part when you guys come across this stuff? He is, he reacts very differently than me. Um, He kind of doesn't want to make a scene. He just, you know, we'll talk about it after and he'll get pretty heated um, with me um, after he calms me down. Um, But I think I handle it enough for the two of us. I'm just very passionate. I get, I don't know if it's like the New Englander in me. Like I just, I got a little bit of sass and a little bit of spice and I just, I don't have the patience for people who just don't give a shit to be honest. Um, and, and sometimes it's just like, I can't take this anymore. Like you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And so I usually, um, use pretty strong words and enlighten them on, you know, accessibility. And Josh and I will chat about it later after he drags me out of there with his wheelchair. (laughs) And you're the subject of a lot of his memes about that. So that's really fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just like making I'm just helping him create too. content. <laughs> that's really cute. That's really cute. Um, I, I, I just wanted to share something about, cause you guys were talking about building the ramps. I wanted to share with you guys a positive story about that. So uh, the whole thing that you were talking about, about under the bed thing, like calling the hotels to see like how, how much room is under the bed because we use a horror lift as well. Like your stories are very, very similar to our life. And it's so freaking frustrating because people that, well, first off, people don't know what you're talking about. Second off, um, all of those platform beds are now being put into hotels. Have you noticed that where they're platform yes. beds? Cause they're trying to Everywhere. look modern. Yep. And it's like, you can't get anything under that and they don't have their old beds. So it's like, you have to, instead of going to that nice four or five star hotel, they now have platform beds. So you have to kind of, if you want to go to a nice place, you can't really, unless they have old beds. And like, it's just, it's so silly, but yeah, I have a story about, about Europe and it's interesting because Rome, Italy is one, it's notorious for being just cobblestones everywhere, curbs everywhere. It's not known to be accessible. It's horrifying to get around in a wheelchair. However, um, they all know what you're talking about when you call and say like how much room is under the bed. They know I've called dozens of hotels in that area and around Italy. It's, it's insane. And I remember we booked a place to eat when we were, and this was actually in Florence, which is about three hours away from Italy. Um, We booked a place and I was a newbie at the time. It was about a year and a half after my partner's injury. And I didn't know all the steps to take for restaurants. And so we booked our engagement dinner at this restaurant. And when we showed up, there was, they weren't even steps. It was like a hill almost to get up to the second part of the restaurant. So it was like eight foot steps, three of them. And it was so long. I would say it was about 20 feet that we would need a ramp to get up because he had his power chair at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were mortified the owner ran down the street. And at the time it was 7.30 PM at night. The owner ran down the street and came back with two, I don't know where the hell he got them. There was nobody on the street. It was like in a random suburb, two guys, they came with one of their trucks. They built a ramp in half an hour, a 20 foot long ramp. Oh my (laughs) God. From the door all the way up to the side of the restaurant. And they were so apologetic and I was just kind of like, what is it? What, like, what's with that? Why is it that the U.S. and Canada, who claim to be so progressive and woke and they care about people with disabilities, and why is it that old school places like Italy are way more advanced when it comes to... I, there's a disconnect there, I find. There's a real weird disconnect where it's like, is it just for show? I think yeah. so. I think it's just for show. I think it's, oh, we, we are pretending to care. We don't actually care. Whereas in Italy, they care so much about those that are old and those that are sick and they want to help everybody. And I just, I find it kind of fake to be blunt in, in North America. I find it, yeah, just kind of like it's, it's, it's very showy. What are your experiences with that? 
I agree. I think it's just like, it looks good on paper. Like, Hey, we have this really cool act that says like, we accept people with disabilities and we're going to help them. But that's, that's what it is. It's a piece of paper and we passed it and it looks really good for the United States. Um, and, and then as you know, like you have more experiences that are difficult than easy. Um, I do. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's just all for show. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would agree with that too. And you kind of think about it and you're just like, Hmm, I don't think that they really care. I think they're just trying to check off some boxes and say, yeah, yeah, we care. (laughs) But do you really? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) we could talk all day about that. (laughs) 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 Um, Let's talk about like your experiences with being interested in mental health and healing. I know we were talking about the Instagram page that you started. Um, what else have you done to maintain your balance? Because as a full-time caregiver myself, like our, I didn't realize how similar our situations were, like mm-hmm. even to the level of injury, injury with our partners. Um, as a full-time caregiver, it, you know, you have to have balance as your number one priority. And that's hard to find. That is really hard to find for a lot of women. What would you say are the ways that you keep yourself balanced? Yeah. um, Wow. Balance is the number one word here. I think everything comes back to that balance that you have to have. Um, I think, you know, when Josh was first injured, as I said, the, the Veterans Administration provided him with a therapist, which was huge because she specialized in spinal cord injury, which, as I'm sure you guys know, is almost impossible to find somebody who specializes in spinal cord injury when it comes to a therapist, somebody you can go to and like, don't feel like you have to explain what a spinal cord injury is and what you deal with. They just know and you could just go and vent. Um, she was phenomenal in kickstarting that, you know, mental health journey and kind of like, I, I started really early on knowing that I had to focus on taking care of myself first. Um, and so, you know, Josh and I met with her a couple times together. Um, she's still his therapist to this day. Um, they meet, you know, monthly, almost every other month, um, just to, you know, catch up and shoot the shit basically. And and sometimes that's all you need. Um, and, and she's wonderful, but she helped refer me to, um, a different therapist because, you know, her focus had to be Josh once, you know, we kind of had that initial couple counseling, which I understood entirely, um, as much as I loved her. So it was hard to find another therapist that like compared to that. Um, and you know, I met with one, uh, a couple months after that and I went in and within five minutes, you know, I, I dump my situation on her. I'm at the time I'm 20 years old. Um, and my life has just been turned upside down. And she says within five minutes as she's checking on her clipboard, Oh, you have depression and anxiety. No shit. I have depression and anxiety. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I just told you, you know, like what happened in my life? Like, of course I, I, I'm dealing with these things. Like that's very normal. I don't need you to tell me that. I just need you to, to be here and listen to me and talk with me and let me get my feelings out. Um, I need somebody to validate me. And so I never went back to her. I didn't like it. And then I tried again. And I think that's like the number one thing when you're looking for a therapist, like it's okay to have to try more than once to find the right one. Um, cause therapy is so important, I think. And I don't, I'm not necessarily, different types of therapy work for different people. Um, For me, I just like to talk. I don't want it to feel like, you know, like I have this homework to do and like this formal homework to do. Um, Obviously, I'm always, you know, like taking tips to work on myself, but I just like having somebody to talk that's not biased um, and talk about my situation. So I found one that I love and she's wonderful. So I think therapy is like the number one thing um, if you can have access to it, which I know not everybody does too. So that's another issue. Um, again, like I've said, I'm very close with my family growing up. I always said my mom was my therapist, so I can call her if I need to. Um, my sister's the same way. Um, just a non-judgmental zone to talk about my feelings, um, and not keep it all pent up in my head because it's not healthy for anybody. Um, and I don't want to end up taking it out on Josh either because I'm with him all the time. So at the end of the day, he's going to take the brunt of it if I'm not in a good headspace. Um, and the thing that my therapist taught me above all is self-care, um, self-care walk coming up ladies in March. I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, I think, um, self-care is so, so important. It needs to be a priority and that looks different for everybody too. Um, for me, it is walking. I have, we moved to the town next to the town we grew up in and there's walking trails throughout the whole town. Um, so I love that. I'll listen to a podcast. I'll just, you know, go on my walk and, you know, I have my phone if Josh needs to get in touch with me and I'm right down the street. Um, but yeah, just like finding ways to get out of the house for a little bit. Um, 
And then I think the number one thing that helped us when it came to balance between caregiver and relationship was when we were in the old house, we didn't have enough room to spread out. And in the new house, he has like an office or a study. So he will, you know, I'll get him up in the morning, he'll do his morning care. And then around like nine or 10, he'll go into his office, he'll come out at lunchtime, we'll have lunch together, he'll go back in his office, he works on his, his memes, Um, he's a peer mentor for the greater Boston chapter um, of United Spinal. Um, with Heidi, a fellow WAG. Um, And um, he's made tons of connections that way. So he does his own thing and I do my own thing, whether it's cleaning the house, going, doing my walk, chores, whatever. But that like physical, like separation, even though we're in the same house has been huge. And like having that routine where we're not just like staring at each other all day, feeling like all of our energy and interaction needs to go towards each other. So that was like a huge thing. Once we moved, that was so healthy for us. That's amazing. And that's a big topic also that comes up in our group on the private WAGs of SCIP um, is the codependency piece that comes along with this injury. And how could it not, right? Um, You know, that's a style of relationship with or without spinal cord injury as it is. And then on top of it, you have somebody who is quite dependent um, on your care and your assistance. And how how do you separate the two, right? So that physical space, I'm so happy you brought that up because... Everybody, doesn't matter who you are, needs balance and, and some time to breathe to themselves. It's the same thing. You can't spend every single day with your parents or with your... You could spend every day with your dog. Yeah, you could spend every day <laughs> <Yeah>. with your dog. <laughs> but even with your, with your pet, sometimes you're like, hey, man, I just need to breathe. Give me a second. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I think that's a really difficult thing to do too, right? Like the practice of the space, having space apart and then come together again. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Josh started doing more and becoming more involved, um, helping people through peer mentoring with the GBC, like I said, or, you know, he started doing some of those memes for a magazine, which is awesome. He got like a little side gig doing that. Um, so he's out here doing like these big things. And I'm like, I'm a caregiver, which is like kick ass. And that that is a job. And that is a hard job. And it is very taxing. But also like he was doing all this stuff. And I was like, I want to do something like I want something else that's my own. I want to identify as more than anything that's around Josh. I love him. He's my husband, but like everything is him. And I need something that's my own. That's going to help me have my own identity. Um, so I actually, there was a local listing on our town page, um, for a private practice therapist looking for somebody to help with administrative work. And it was flexible. You go into the office once a week to file, but everything else was work from home. And I was like, I'm just going to message her. And I did. She already had somebody for the spot, um, but she's like, I'll keep you in mind. And the first person fell through. So she hired me at the end of October, which was huge for me because I felt like, I don't know, it was just such an accomplishment. I felt like I went almost, you know, five and a half, six years without a job and without this crazy experience. And actually my caregiving experience helped immensely to get this job when I was talking about, you know, scheduling and planning and having to be responsible with medications and all that stuff. And all those tools that, you know, you don't see as like a resume builder is a huge resume builder. Um, And so I got this job and it's been incredible, you know, helping people get the help with a therapist that they need. And it's, it's something to keep my mind occupied. So all my energy is not just, you know, spent on the couch when it doesn't have to be, or, you know, helping Josh, it's like a positive way to spend my energy. So that's been awesome lately. I'm really glad that you mentioned that these skills that the WAGs of SEI and the community do have are transferable. And that is something to really keep in mind because we've heard this many times from women say, you know, on paper, um, especially if you're a spousal caregiver that is not paid on paper, I have been doing this job full time or part time or whatnot, but on paper, I have nothing. I, none of this matters, but it does matter. It does matter. Everything you're doing does matter. And I think the moment somebody opens up their mouth and you start to sort of speak about spinal cord injury, it's still a very new area, I would say in the medical community that not a lot of people know about it, that when you begin to to speak of spinal cord injury or your partner's level or the things that you have to look out for, like AD symptoms, or like you said, scheduling, um, getting somebody ready to stand on a standing frame or doing a passive exercise or any of that stuff, then you can tell right away, especially with friends and family, that it's like you've lost them long ago. They don't even know what you're talking about anymore. And I've heard this from, from other people as well saying, you know, the things that you've, you've experienced alongside your partner 
it's exposed you to so much more than a lot of people are even capable of to even understand. Because like I said, people just see the wheelchair and think, wow, that, that must be really hard without realizing there's so much around that. So I'm really happy you mentioned that. I think that is something to really, really keep in mind and that it is something important that you're able to transfer that. And you never know where it can lead you. Like this is amazing for you. Congratulations. On your, you. I was going to say new, but it's not that new. Your new position. <laughs> Thank you. And if yeah, you could, really cool. and if you could do anything, like what would be your dream job? Like what would be your, your dream schedule or what, if you could, if somebody said, you know, if money didn't matter, I know everybody says that, but if money didn't matter and you could create your own life, like your own schedule, your dream life, what would that look like for you? I think I would go into interior design. I, you know, we, we got a grant through the Veterans Administration to build um, an addition on Josh's parents' house. That's where we moved home at first. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to like kind of design that from scratch to be accessible, but also like really cute and cozy and like a happy place to be since we were living in the hospital for so long. Um, and, and then we just moved again into a new home. And I love the interior design and kind of like incorporating our personalities into it while also making it accessible and like smart. Um, so I think it would be cool to help other people do the same thing. Um, I just love interior design and I also love, you know, mental health awareness. So I'm, I'm loving doing the journey to full bloom, um, platform and, and, you know, helping people get the access to therapy that they need, um, working for the private practice therapist. So life is pretty damn good right now. Um, but throwing in some interior design would be fun, I think. And that's also a really cool career that you can do um, from anywhere, right? You can be yeah. mobile. Um, that, yeah, that's, and it's also really creative. Yeah. So I think that's important for, I, just kind of speaking to what you're speaking about before, about um, caregiving and the skills and all that stuff. Um I feel like a lot of women in our community that are caregivers as well, they don't take their role as caregiver caregiver very seriously. Like they are, this is from just from my perspective. I feel like they're just so in stress all the time that they're, they're not paying attention to what they're really doing. They're just trying to get it done so that they can have some sort of me time. And I always like when people message me and ask like, well, how do you like, balance things. It's like, pay attention to what you're doing and actually give yourself a pat on the back for what you're doing. And it's a skill. Like, yeah, these are things like we always talk about, like we, we do a lot of advocacy, especially here in Canada for paid spousal care, because it is not a thing here. Um, and we always say like, this is a skill that people go to school for six years ish to do. Like you can't even mm -hmm. get in the door of a place to care for somebody with a serious high level spinal cord injury, unless you've had years of schooling. Um, so it's, it's something that you need to take seriously. Like this is a skill in itself. It is something that you need to embrace while you're doing it and, and realize I am skilled. I am someone who's skilled just because society doesn't think you're skilled and they don't care about you. Really. You are one of the backbones of society. That's kind of under the radar. Yeah, it's so true. I think, you know, and like you said, I think it's, a lot of it society, like, you know, I was super confident in being a caregiver and learning everything I was learning while in the hospital. And at the same time, we were setting Josh and I up to move home. And I remember the first thing that we had to do, we got a van and we needed to add myself because I would be driving it on the insurance. And we explained the situation and they put me there as a cohabitant. And that's all I felt like was a cohabitant. And I'm like, here I am keeping this man alive. You know, I'm also the love of his life and I'm a cohabitant. Like, wow, look at me. Um, so I think like when we finally got married, I felt like I really earned that wife title. Like, I guess it's not something you earn, but like, I also felt like I've been pretty kick-ass. Like, I feel like I really earned that. Um, but I think, yeah, like being a caregiver, like is so like, even some of the nurses in the hospital who were like training at the same time I was, because it's one thing to be a skilled nurse and it's another thing to, to deal with spinal cord injury. There are things that nurses have been nurses for 30 years and they, if they've never dealt with a spinal cord injury, you probably know 10 times more than they do. It's, it's a very, it's a specialty little corner of the world and um, it takes some serious talent and some serious guts and whether it's wound care, bowel care, you know, cathing, dealing with infection, medication management, like, if you're a caregiver to somebody with a spinal cord injury, you're kick-ass. Kudos to you. And to all the ladies out there who are 
interested in advocating for their own pay, like paid position as their partners carried or who are working, you know, with wherever you are, your government or insurance to have that happen, those skills and your history and track record of those skills are going to be heavily weighed upon when they decide if you can be hired or not. That's what people don't understand is how good are you at keeping your partner out of the hospital? How good is his skin? I mean, no pressure, but this is a reflection on you, right? If you're the sole caregiver and if it's a plus, they'll say, of course, you know, when this legislation gets passed or when your appeal goes through, um, when you push hard enough, these things will rule in your favor because of that. So I, I think this is a really, really good topic for discussion. It doesn't get talked about enough, but yeah. bravo for, for bringing that up, Cassidy. Um, so let's talk about your wedding. Cause you're, you're, I would say you're a newlywed. Oh yeah, I think so. Like how long has it been? We got married in July, July 3rd. Yeah. So what, seven months? Yeah. So Um, tell us about your wedding. Yeah. So gosh, it was really exciting. Um, It was really expensive as weddings are nowadays. Um, But it was, I know everybody says it, it sounds so cliche. It was the happiest day of my life. I felt drunk on happiness. I did not have, I think I had like maybe one drink. I'm not gonna lie. I did have one drink, but I like, I just felt drunk. Like I being surrounded by these people who have been on us, been with us since day one of this journey. And, and also people who have been, you know, joined a little bit later, they were somebody we invited from um, a local nonprofit retreat. We go on every summer. Some of the staff there has become like family. They came to the wedding. So people, I guess, from throughout our journey that were there in this room coming together to see us finally become husband and wife was just like, I can't even put into words the feeling um, that I had. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of anxiety leading up to it, whether it was planning, um, finding an accessible venue in New England is laughable. Um, it luckily, um, we got married, we grew up going to the same church. So that's how I knew Josh. That's how he knew me. Um, we knew each other when we were in elementary school. Um, we say we used to check each other out in church, which is like, definitely a sin, but like, whatever. Um, and, uh, so we connected down the line and we got married in that same church. So it was a very full circle moment. Um, and, and then finding a venue that was like within, you know, a 30 minute range of that, that was accessible on top of everything else was a challenge. Um, we went to a place called Birchwood Vineyards in Derry, New Hampshire. It was about a 35 minute drive from the church. And Josh was in his manual chair. He has a power chair and a manual chair. He took the manual one that day just in case it wasn't accessible because I could pop him over the threshold if there was a threshold. I turned around after talking with the planner and he was doing donuts, spinning around on the dance floor, just like looking up at the ceiling. Like we had other tours scheduled for other places and he was like, cancel them. Like, this is where I want to get married. And to have some place, like after all this planning, I I had like a list of all these places we were going to go to. And it was one of the first ones we showed up at to be able to just like throw that list away and have found it that fast. Like something was easy. Oh my God, it was easy. Um, And to check it off the list was an amazing feeling and and the staff from the planning process to the day of the wedding, um, going in and and changing the height of the table, um, moving around some of the chairs, um, placing the table. So there was enough room for Josh to go around and see all the guests, um, little things like that, that normally I'm the one that has to think of all that. The staff helped think of this, like things that I didn't even have to think of. And I thought that was just amazing. They, I mean, they should for the money you pay them, but they really did go above and beyond to make sure that Josh and myself was comfortable up until the very end of the night. Um, when we got married, they were just amazing. So forever grateful to them. I think the hardest part of the wedding planning when it came to planning a wedding based around like a wheelchair involved was transportation. Um, limos accessible limos are not a thing apparently like just not not a thing at all so we got trolleys um which was very fun but also like more expensive but it was the only option unless I wanted to drive him in the van and I'm like in this huge wedding dress like uh, I just you know it was it was hard it was really hard to find something that worked and it got to the point where I was like in tears so frustrated about finding transportation that Josh was like how can I help and I said please 
find transportation. I don't care what you have to do. I can't like advocate for it anymore. Like I am just, I'll deal with everything else. Um, and he found these trolleys out of the city that traveled to Southern New Hampshire. Um, it was probably about like a 45 minute drive to Boston from here. So, um, we had to pay for the extra mileage and stuff, but that's what we had to do in order to have something that had a lift so he could get into it. And we weren't just in our, you know, soccer mom minivan. Um, so that was the hardest part. Um, but, and honestly, at the end of the day, we, we took the trolley from the church to the venue and Josh got on the lift and we looked up and the lift, it's like one of the platform ones with the, the stopper at the end was like this with his power chair on it. Like the lady that was with him had to like push the chair back. And so I had, he had two best men. So I was like, Hey, like guys, like somebody at the top, somebody at the bottom. But I was like, here we are spending how much money on an accessible trolley. And, and that's, you know, it's just people getting by again, like, you know, full circle moment. It's just people who say, yeah, we're accessible. And then, and so at the end of the night on the way home, instead of taking the trolley, he didn't feel safe. So our guest took the trolley and I did end up driving the van in my wedding dress home that night. Um, which ended up being fine. And, and thank God I didn't end up drinking. So I was fine to drive, but I'm like, come on people. like get your crap together. It was crazy. Well, and it's still your wedding day where you kind of want to just like relax a little bit, right? Yeah. But yeah. you end up still being on duty all the time. Yeah. It doesn't all really the matter. There was a great photo, um, from Alice Cooper, um, well, Alice winced now. And the the photo was of her on her wedding day and she's bent over draining her partner's leg bag. Yeah. Right. And it's like, we're, that's, that's the wag of SCI life or you're wearing heels and you're pushing your partner through a grassy field and all your heels are getting stuck in the chunks of dirt. I'm yes. lying up <laughs> behind you and you're still on duty. Yep. So it's, true. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to say that the people that I find understand, um, accessibility the best are mothers who are pushing strollers with like their babies in it. They start to pay attention. I agree. Yeah. I think outside of, yeah, outside of the WAGS community, I have friends who have little ones and I found more similarities with them than other people in my life. You know, looking for family restrooms was a big um, common thing that we realized um, a, a bathroom where you can go in with your kid or a bathroom where you can go in with your significant other or the person you're a caregiver for. Um, but yeah, strollers and accessibility, just like, yeah, a lot of stuff like that. And like the curb cutouts, you start to notice mm -hmm. those things. I mean, the difference of pushing a stroller over onto a curb as opposed to a power chair. <laughs> it's very, yeah, very different, very, very different <laughs> there. But yeah, but they, I find that those are the people that start to kind of understand a little bit of the wag life or like not having any sleep with you are the yeah. pre accident wag of SCI yeah. or if your partner has a, a wound or a pressure sore or needs to be turned or they drop their water bottle or their bed remote or their whatever else on the ground in the middle of the night. Those yeah. are the people that understand. It's like, yeah, we, we have two new babies in our family. And now this weekend we got to just kind of sit back and be like, okay, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you, gotta go for, you have to go for naps. Oh, how many naps do you have to go for? Okay, go have fun. <laughs> and it's funny because um i've i noticed you know like th these are new parents both dance both dance siblings have had a baby they had babies apart in, like a month apart and so they're new parents and i can just see the look on their faces of like the big dark circles they haven't slept in so long and they just want to pass the baby on to go sit with auntie Lena and uncle dan mm -hmm. It's like now Auntie Lena and Uncle Dan are the ones that are giving the respite to the parents. So it's very yeah. interesting. And I feel like that is like actually kind of a nice feeling just to be like, oh, you kind of understand, you know, you kind of understand the always being on. And I think, you know, that's why balance is so important for WAG of SEI, like what you were saying for WAGs of SEI um, is because if you don't have the balance of being able to maintain your own self-care, self-care, basically, if you don't have it, you can't care for anybody else. You can't have that that break. So, like you had mentioned before, you have signed up for the Wags of SCI self care five mm -hmm. km March in March. For anybody who's listening, it's still there's still time to join a team. You can even join Cassidy's team if you wanted. And so, what is your goal for this walk run? Do you have any personal goals that that you're gonna try to aim for? 
the day of the run? Yeah, I think normally um, I, when the weather gets cold, I shut down and I'd rather just stay inside instead of keeping up with my activeness and, and getting that fresh air, which is so important for my mental health. So I'm using this as my push to put on a hat and gloves and still go outside and, and get my body moving. Um, yeah, just for my mental health. That's really awesome. Thank you for, for signing up. We're really excited. We're really, really excited. Um, <laughs> before we move on, I had a quick question for you just about your wedding, just following up on that. Um, the marriage equality in this community is a huge issue. Um, there are a lot of women that can't legally marry their partners due to various laws in the States. Did that affect you guys at all? It did not. Um, I haven't changed like my last name or status yet um, with the stipend program, but I did communicate with them before that I was getting married and it didn't change it simply because it's called the family caregiver program. Um, so, you know, now that you say it, I'm not sure how it worked out where I was the girlfriend. I guess maybe they consider um, significant other in general a uh, family member, um, but you can have a primary one and a secondary one. So, you know, thinking a little bit into the future, um, I'd love to become a mom. Josh would love to become a dad and God willing within the next few years. Um, we all know how that process goes. So we're, we're not gonna, you know, rush anything, but we're just gonna start talking about it. Um, then that will obviously impact caregiving. And if I have to share hours or stop caregiving entirely, and that would impact um, our income and, and dealing with outside aids or finding another family member to take over. But um, fortunately, 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 and I cannot say it enough because I'm, I'm so aware of the problem of not getting paid as a caregiver. I thank God every single day that the VA takes care of me. And although they can be a pain in the butt to work with paperwork wise and whatever, it's all worth it to have that peace of mind. Um, and I don't take it for granted at all. And I, I feel for those girls that don't have that. Yeah. And self-advocacy is so important. You know, we always like to touch on this in podcasts, but anybody out there who wants to be considered for being paid, even if they say no, um, this is against human rights, as we've found out in our own personal work over the past few years, and it can be changed not easily. Um, it's taken six years for us to change some things in our situation as far as that, because they always say no first, um, but it is doable. So anyone out there that needs some encouragement and, you know, wants a, a little bit of an easier experience and some recognition, uh, don't give up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you had one last piece of advice for any new WEGS of SEI in the community, what would you say, Cassidy? Oh, I would say, and this is something I still work on every single day, is um, first of all, balance, which we talked about. You have to find that balance and do whatever it takes to find that balance. Um, it's okay if within the first year or two, you really struggle with that balance because you are just surviving and that is okay. Um, but, you know, still find that separation. Um, when you wake up in the morning before you jump right into the bowel routine, give your husband a kiss, get a quick snuggle in. Um, you know, you got to prioritize that relationship um, just as much as the care. So balance. Amazing. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom and for your positive encouragement. It's really, really important for yeah. women in the community to hear this kind of stuff coming from someone who is a full-time caregiver who also now has a job outside of the home and is still maintaining that level of balance just to show that it definitely is possible if you put that as your top priority, which I think everybody needs to do at some point. So mm -hmm. why not start now? <laughs> um, <laughs> your mental health depends on it. <laughs> so true. yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're extremely grateful. We know this is probably going to be another one of our top episodes. So thank you, everybody who is listening. Um, thank you, everybody who's felt encouraged by Cass. I'm sure that you've inspired so, so many women. And it's just going to be a ripple effect in the community. So thank you for your time. We also wanted to encourage all the WEGS of SCI out there who are wanting to put some more effort into their self-care to join us on March 19th. You can join the self-care walk run 5k. You can walk, run, jog, saunter, 
crawl, do whatever Roll, you need to do. <laughs> it's virtual, so it's your own time. Um, but a lap our- ride. <laughs> Yeah, lap riding is fully acceptable. I'll probably do some of that um, myself. So just go to our website and click on the tab that uh, describes the run on the homepage and you can sign up there. And yeah, if someone wants to get in contact with you, Cass, how would they do that? What's the best way to contact you? Um, I'd say send me a message on Instagram. Um, It's Cass underscore, no, I think it's just Cass Keller. Oh my gosh, I changed my name, so. Usually I have this like ready to go. Um, it is, hold on, dramatic pause. It is Cass Keller underscore on Instagram or Facebook, Cassidy Keller. Um, and yeah, I'm here whenever anybody needs to talk or you can go over and follow Journey to Full Bloom if you're looking for some positivity um, or advice or just somebody who gets it. It's here. a great account. It, I, I love the posts that you guys post up and I love the things that you write underneath them. It's just a really good shift in perspective and kind of grounds you again and, and gives you a warm hug through Instagram, through the screen of Instagram, from the comfort of your home. So thank you again, Cassidy. We are thank looking so forward We'll be looking forward to everything that you have in store in the future and your baby journey and your mental health journey and the work you're doing. So until next time, take care of yourselves, everybody, and love one another. Cheers.